And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey, everybody. Welcome to your friendly Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, the Americans edition, the best episode of the week by like by a country mile, I would say, Sean Gentile. Hope you, hope you guys are ready. I'm just going to reheat everything I talked about on the Monday show. Phrase it slightly differently, but you're getting the same content. Great. Hope you like the Monday show because here it is again. <laughs> Igor Shesterkin for MVP. What do you think? I thought you were on the Johnny Gujo train or train. Uh, I am Dom. I think right. Dom's piloting the Shesterkin mobile. Okay. Um, whatever. We di- we're not talking about this. I talked about it. No, we're not. Hours sorry, ago. I didn't even mean. I didn't want to extend that. I, I re- already regretted it the second I said it in extending this conversation further because um, we have. A great guest today, Matt Duchesne of the Nashville Predators, not only having an incredible year, Matt Duchesne, like, go look it up. You may not have noticed. I'm not saying I didn't notice. I'm just saying you, the listener, may I'm not have noticed. I'm saying you did not notice. You're like, hey, did you know Matt that Duchesne? That Matt Duchesne was having, like, did you know that Matt Duchesne a had- career year, like a legit, he's going to break, break personal records for goals and... He had 29 goals when we taped it, and it was, it was last week. We taped it on Friday morning, and they've lost since, so whatever, but... The night before, he had two goals, and he was in a wonderful mood. I think that's f- I think that's fair be. to say. Who wouldn't be? Scores two goals. They're like kind of getting their stuff back together after a little bit of a swoon in January and February. And his kids are freaking out on Instagram. His daughter is a year old, cheering for daddy's goals. He's going to score forty goals this season, Matthew Shane. He's going to score forty goals. Um, like things are going well for Matt Duchesne. I'm happy for him. Uh, it was great to catch up with him. And it's he, like, this was a good, you know, it's a good interview when he's, he's answering. And I like was, and I'm sure, I think Sean, you're doing the same thing. Like you're taking notes because he had three or four like talking points in each answer, mm-hmm. each answer that I was dying to like follow up on. He Thankfully we didn't step on each other trying to like tackle each other to answer, ask the follow up question. He nuked any, pre-interview talking points we had because like you come into it with at least yes. broad I know I do like just at least broad strokes <laughs> I cl- clearly don't write my questions out in advance as anybody who's ever heard me ask anything can attest but like you know what you want to talk about and 
he, there were so many, and I'm saying this in a completely positive way. There were so many like asides and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, discussion, like lanes for discussion that he opened up in his answers where you're like, okay, this is not, I don't have to, I don't have to ask about UC Soros. Like who really cares about that? Like he said four different interesting things. He said super interesting (laughs) things. And he would do it really casually. He'd be like something, you know, as, as, as we all know, the league goes in three to five year cycles. And anyways, as I was sitting there, you know, setting up a goal in last night's game and I'm like, Wait, three to five years. In for in like we do these interviews over Zoom, so like Craig and I can make eye contact whenever whenever stuff like that happens. And he said that, and it was just like like laser lock. We both looked at each other like, oh, okay, we gotta we gotta make a mental note of that and ask exactly what he means about it. And you asked the exact same question as I did, which is like, are you talking about the league? Are you talking about individual teams? Yeah. Like whatever. So it was it was um a different kind of interview. Honestly, he was and he was great. Um. Super, super thoughtful, super thoughtful dude. And again, I, it's all, it's all gravy whenever you're scoring as much as, as much as he is. And he had just had a huge game like 12 hours before that or whatever, but maybe we'll take it. That is the athletic hockey show Tuesday promise is if these players schedule themselves in an interview ahead of time, good things will happen. Yes. You hear that players? Unless. They're, you separate your shoulder right Jack after doing the interview? And you, and you <laughs> hang up a Zoom and immediately go and separate your shoulder. That's that's not on us, no. to be clear, as much as Devils fans want to blame us. The, for the that. other thing that I thought was interesting, and like I'm not going to go into his answer because I, I wouldn't if I could. Yeah, I can't. You sort hmm. of alluded to the Philip Forsberg trade rumors at the end there, right? Where you're yeah. like you've been on the block as much as anybody you've had different he's requested trades he's had different contractual situations over the years with a few different teams that have led to this being for one reason or another um a high anxiety time of year and that's something he's dealing with yeah on the other end of things in a way because the speculation especially last week was all right well it's going to happen with Philip Forsberg are they going to is there a deal to be made pre-deadline with him since he's a UFA where are they as a team what makes sense and that's something the Preds were and probably are still reckoning with because we're six days out now so Philip so the today um, Eric Duhatchik launched the trade board what are we on 3.0 it's on 3.0 and to to prepare I was like well let me see where Philip Forsberg is on there if at all and he's not he's not Eric mentions him in the intro just saying look there there are contract talks to get a deal done Um, and so he doesn't he doesn't he didn't have him on there now I'm asking you Sean Gentilly if you don't have a deal done on Monday or whenever your deadline is and you're the Predators and you're surprisingly good and you hear what Matt Duchesne's saying like Mm -hmm. I was buying into the me too. Hey, like this team, this there's there's something about this team. Me and too. Maybe people always say that when things are going well, but I like he was pretty convincing. And it's a human impulse on our part to sort of get swung over to the other direction whenever we have a conversation like the one we just had. Like like you're like you're like, oh man, I'm in. It's like it's like listening to a <laughs> TED talk or something, and you're like, this is this <laughs> is gonna change the, the way I do things, right? Like this is this has changed my this has changed mm-hmm. my perspective on on life. And in this case, it was Matthew Shane kind of changing our perspective on the Predators. I still, oh man, they they need to have an idea, a really good idea as to whether they, if they don't get this deal done, if they don't, if Forsberg isn't locked 
mm-hmm. meaning if they don't get the contract done. If Forsberg isn't locked up for five year, more years or seven more years, you know, by the time, by the time, you know, the, the clock strikes on Monday, after all that, after all the, after all the persuasion from, from Matt Duchesne, I still think they need to trade Philip Forsberg. Mm. And if they trade Philip Forsberg, then what the hell happens to the rest of the roster? Because you're giving up your best offensive player. I I almost disagree. I think I do disagree. Uh-huh. Because Matt Duchesne's having a career year, but Matt Duchesne, God bless him, is 31, right? Like how many mm-hmm. how many more of these years are you going to get out of that contract? Even though there's one, two, he's got four more years on it at eight mil after this. Um, you know, the, he's he's in his 30s. A lot of those, you know. Complimentary players are in that same age age range. Roman Yossi's thirty one. Ekholm's thirty one. Like Yossi's playing, he's having a great year. By the way, he's, he's, I don't know if he really needed to bounce back after last year necessarily, but he's been great. Yeah, like I don't know. I think um, I think I think you'd let it. I ride. guess here's the question: If you know, maybe not beyond a shadow of a doubt, but I mean, David Poyle has been doing this for a hundred years. Like he's going to know whether Duchesne. Or Duchesne, whether Forsberg is coming back or not. So if there, or or at least his, or at least his odds, he's he's going to have a good a yeah. good sense of that. If you're like this, probably isn't happening. Where he's probably going to hit the market. He probably wants to go elsewhere. The question with the Preds is if that team is good enough to justify rolling with what they have and just saying like screw it, let's see what happens. And I'm on the fence with that because the West is a mess. You have as as you've clear you've every week yes. we talk about it, but it's the Avs and then the Flames and then a, and then a group of teams below them and then the Stars and the Preds and those teams that are that are kind of on the bubble where if you squint you can see them winning a round or two or whatever. And I'm on the fence with that. Mm-hmm. The variable for Nashville, and this is something that the stars can't say, and this is why I'm like a little bit more inclined to believe that the Preds should hold, even though I'm not sure that's where I'm at completely, is that UC Saros is really good. And he's good enough where if you get mm-hmm. to the playoffs, you can say like, and you're like, okay, well, whatever. We have Roman Yossi. We have Matt Duchesne. We have Phil Forsberg. Yeah. Like we have some decent secondary pieces and we have conservatively like a top seven goaltender in the league in UC Saros. And you just say like, let's see what happens. Like what else do you want out of it? If you, if you say the West is up for grabs, you just named like every core piece thing you need I to, know, to, uh, to make a run. There's, it just still... And you want to break it up at the deadline, John? No, I don't. Like I would love it if they... if Honestly, I think it would be great if they had it, if they felt comfortable about a deal that they had in place with... Philip Forsberg and then we're just like okay this is fine like this is it this he's part of this core group for the next few years like we're still going in on it but yeah. if Philip Forsberg walks next season or in the off season if he if he goes then again god bless Matt Duchesne god bless Roman Yossi um that franchise is going to be entering a new phase in its lifespan, if you lose your best off the best offensive player, not just on that team at the moment, but in the history of the franchise, from a team that's already like on the bubble to begin with, is he the best? Is he the best forward in the history of the Predators? I'd think of another one. Yeah. Who else would it be? David Legua. I mean, yeah, your boy David Legua. 
Kelly Arncrock. <laughs> Whatever. I think if Philip Forsberg leaves, they have, they, that's whenever that happens, if it's in the offseason, then the sell needs to be on because they're not going to be able to replace him for any reasonable amount of money. And you're going to have like a few good players returning f- from a team that's like on the playoff bubble. I'm okay. I'm okay with them going in this year. Like I'm not I like it in, in a vacuum. That's fine. Cause we love when team, we, we love it when teams try to win. That's like a guiding principle of this podcast. I think, right. but yes, at some point, especially if Forsberg exits, they're going to need to make terms with what they are. And that is a bubble team that just lost, you know, a 40 goal score. Or you find another, like I'm, I'm past the thing of like, you got to get, you got to, you got to, you know, uh, get something so they don't walk for nothing because also you have now 6 million in cap space in a, in a league where cap space is super tight. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that you, yeah, that's a good point. That you swap in something. You, you you let it ride with Forsberg on a team that could we could see make a run if 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 we are to believe Matt Duchesne and it's a special group and they do seem to have the right ingredients in some you know they're not Colorado but Colorado let's say they get bounced by somebody or whatever anything could happen. <laughs> and um, they haven't made it out of the second round. Like I love yeah, right, I love right. the Abs. I, t- I gas them up at, at every opportunity because I love watching them play, but. We can be realistic about what, about what they've done. I, I would what I'm. I guess what I'm saying. I, I I'm not. I'm not advocating just dumping Philip Forsberg. I'm not saying trade him for fifty cents on the dollar. No, but, but it's a first and a B prospect. Like that's so you're, you're going to get a, a you know a player who's going to be at number twenty seven overall in the first round of a draft that people aren't even trading. Like people want picks in the next draft, and and you're going to get. a you know, a mm-hmm. B-level prospect who may fill out, give you some depth. So much, I, or, I mean, but okay, so th- think of it this way though. Like you can take cues from the market and you can see like, what if what if JT, what if they decide not to move JT Miller? Like what if Philip Forsberg is hands down? Yeah. In, in, except, in, and what if Claude Giroux like <laughs> doesn't want to get traded? Right. Like there, there's a scenario right. where Philip Forsberg is the lockdown 1A best forward on the market. And if that happens, then... The offers could get silly. I, I think they should. I mean, whatever. I, I'm I'm waffling here. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I've talked you into the predators, predators just letting this it ride. Is, this is like part of, this is a philosophical thing. Like, I, I don't, I don't care if teams rebuild. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not rooting for the Preds or the Stars on a personal level to tear stuff down. Like, I would rather just see them say, screw yeah. it. Let's see what happens. Cause that's just, yeah, that's just my, my person. I'm not, I'm, I don't run these teams. I'm not in their front office. Like, is that the fun move as a consumer of the sport and as someone who covers the sport? It's endlessly more compelling if the Preds are in the discussion with those guys or the Dallas Stars are, are, are in the discussion. Like, I like keep, keep them around. I don't care. But if I were right. in a front right. office, if I were in the Preds front office and I knew that we couldn't sign Philip Forsberg or had had 90 or were like, this isn't, or had a, a true gut feeling that we couldn't, I would move him. And I don't, I don't care if they do or not. Fine. Roll, roll into the, roll You don't have to explain to us. You're not oh, in the no, front I know, office no, but, but I'm, I, I think, I think there's a lot of, I, I'm, I think that's, that's sort of 
mindset differs between media people too. Like, I, I don't know that everybody is just like, yeah, who gives a shit? Like, like let the, let, let, let the predators <laughs> roll, roll into the, into the first round with whatever I they have. I think there's a time to be decisive and I think there's a time to let it ride. And based on where this team is and, you know, there is some experience under the belt as Matt, like uh, he, we should get to, we'll get to the interview in a second. Cause he was so good, but like there was, you know, there is a, history of success for some of these players but then there was kind of like that that cast a shadow over future teams and now there's like it's like hey um anything can go at this point and also i I would add if if what he says is true and again not like no reason to doubt him but like sounds like john hines (laughs) no no, you know if john hines has this heart to heart with the players and says here's what i want from you what do you want from me or Mm -hmm. you know and and both of everybody executes and it's working. And then you trade your best offensive player. Like if you're the players, you're going, what are we doing here? Why, like we bought in, we did everything you How asked. How much better did you want us to be? Like what, what, what else, else did you, you want, want from, from us? us? And, and then you're going to just, you're going to trade. So yeah. Let's go through Let's um, go through. All right. Let's go well, to the interview. Okay. Let's go to the interview. We have to go. That, like we've already way, like, I, we've been dissecting it before anyone's heard it. Okay. So, so, so what, we're just going to leave the Hatchets trade board for, for later on. Let's do that in the third segment. Let's go through the rest of the, of the trade board after, after our talk with Matt Duchesne. Cause I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. All right. We'll be right back. And then Matt Duchesne. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We are now uh, thrilled to be joined by Nashville Predator, Matt Duchesne, who we, <laughs> Sean and Matt were just talking about. Sean went to see how Matt did last night in the game pretty well, if you're curious. Anyone who wants to look up the stats, I, I can say that. Um, but then got a, 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 a lot of Instagram. Yeah, we'd like to, we we, have to start we'd this. like to welcome <laughs> James Duchesne's dad to the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah pretty funny so thanks for having me guys yeah man yeah it's good to see you man um uh you know besides the kids so, so I, I didn't see it can you guys give, give me a breakdown of what i missed on the on the insta james knew james knew that dad was having a big night she, <laughs> she was she, she was she was tracking the fuck man she, she knew what was up yeah i got a i got a video after the game um of just uh, both kids going there they didn't go to the game last night so just actually my son would could last through the whole thing but james would get tired and she's only she's uh she's a november baby so she's just over a year old and uh so she she can't last through the all the late games so they stayed home last night but we're watching the first period and uh yeah phil gave me that great pass back door for an open net and 
Um, I guess she knew I scored and just went crazy. And then my, my son was excited too. And it was one of the best, probably one of the best videos I've ever received in my life. To be honest, it's pretty special to be a dad and see stuff like that and see your little girl going absolutely bananas. (laughs) It's pretty funny. I mean, it's happening. It's, I mean, you're, your kids are almost that age, but like it's happening a little early. James is, J- J- James is a year. She's like ahead of the learning I, curve, right? I, I can't, I can't get over how that reaction, like she, both kids are kind of, they kind of, um, their milestones are all pretty, pretty far ahead. Like Bo mm-hmm. is, <clears throat> Bo's three and he's the size of like a five or six year old. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, he's actually hard to parent sometimes because emotionally he's still a three-year-old, but like he, he is like, he picks stuff up. Like he'll memorize a song like three or four times after hearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is crazy. Um, I think I was like that as a kid too, but it's still nuts to see your, your son like that. So he's hard to parent sometimes. Cause he's like, you stuff should make sense to him or you think stuff should make sense to him, but then, Oh yeah, he's three. So, um, and then my daughter, James is just follows his every move. And, um, she just like, yeah, I, she's, she's ahead of the, she's ahead of where he was at, uh, at this age. So pretty wild. Like mm. she's starting to really talk a lot now and say a lot of different things. And I'm pretty proud that, uh, golf is one of her, uh, vocabulary words. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're off to a good start. <laughs> so you got, so, so you got Bo wearing the, I, I saw you guys were, kind of in, in the outfits for the outdoor game so you have him you got the pump prime for him to be like a country a country kid like a country music kid and james is playing golf so you're like you're hit you, you're hitting all the you're hitting all the marks like don't worry about hockey you got a daughter who likes golf and a kid who likes you know hank williams jr or whatever like you're set yeah no he uh he loves music he he's yeah he he's deaf the, the apple didn't fall far from the tree on that one i'll tell you that so he loves everything everything i love which is great and it's funny to see how much is genetic and how much is learned and um mm-hmm. i i, I f- you figure out pretty quickly you get to know yourself better when you when you um, raise your kids because you get to see which traits you had no chance of <laughs> of not having and uh which ones were learned somewhere along the way so my my kids uh yeah, my kids are both, uh, you know, very happy-go-lucky, big personality, talkers, uh, you know, very much like their old man. So, Love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty funny. I'm just trying to think of how um, now I'm having, like, comparative anxiety and what my kids were doing at one years old. And they had, I don't think they were tracking the puck very well. But that's all right because they're because sure they'll turn out they're, okay. They're also they're also taken after their dad because their dad's bad at that too. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> I, don't, I, mean, I, I don't know if I don't know if James is tracking the pocket and it was me. I mean, Bo would he sees me out there and he could pick me out, but yeah, um, I think she heard my name and has just gotten yeah. used to that mm-hmm. and and then knew we scored. Like I'll watch I'll watch like she'll climb up in my lap and she'll go daddy 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 and point at my phone. And she wants to watch like like hockey clips or highlights. So I'll pull up some of my clips and when the puck goes in the net, she goes scores. So she knows what she's watching, which is pretty cool. I like how you casually dropped in. She hears my name a lot on the broadcast <laughs> this year. That was <laughs> oh, pretty I, good. I, it's been a good year, man. She's right. heard it, whatever. Like she's heard it. She, at 29 she's heard daddy scores 29 times this year. Already. I mean, that was, that was maybe a, yeah, I don't know if I meant to drop that. Like no, that I, but, uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, 
we were just talking about the year you're having. And um, I mean, it's been, I for one saw it coming, so I'm not surprised at all. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, so also with the team success, but what are you seeing differently? Like why, why does it seem to be all coming together for you right now? Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've, the last couple of years were just weird. Um, I think, you know, coming into this team, I think there was a lot of, it's really funny, actually, both times I've been, you know, when I got traded from Colorado to Ottawa, I got there at kind of a time of turmoil and it hadn't quite kind of bursted yet. Um, when I got there, but you, when I got there, I could just, you could see stuff was brewing and, and then that kind of went that way and I struggled at the start there. And then once stuff kind of became kind of more stable, um, that's when, you know, I took off and, and felt better and started producing and, and playing my game a bit better. And it was a very similar thing here. I think I came here, um, the team was very much, and I think anybody in the organization would kind of admit it. Like the team was really, um, I remember my first year, it was all about, like everyone was hanging on that 2017 cup run. And I think there's certain, the league changes every, like I could, it's a conversation for another time and it's, it would be a long one, but the, the league turns over and changes every three to five years. The game changes, the style changes, systems change, things change. And um, when I came in, it was kind of, at the end cycle of kind of the team turnover in terms of like the team got to a certain point, playing a certain way, doing certain things. And then it was kind of at the end of running its course. So we were struggling. We're trying to figure it out. We had a great roster. I remember coming in that year, we were ranked like fourth in the league by all the, you know, all the, the power rankings and everything. And there was a lot of pressure. I, I think, I think everyone felt the weight of the world on us. And that obviously when you feel that pressure, you know, um, usually things don't go well. So that was, that was, you know, bizarre. And then obviously we had the coaching change, obviously a guy, uh, Pierre Laviolette, um, who's an outstanding coach is doing a great job, obviously. And, um, he was a big reason actually I, I wanted to come play here. And, and, uh, you know, he, he ended up, you know, every coach has a shelf life and, you know, his kind of came to an end, I guess here. And, um, you know, John Hines came in and that was a complete reroute. Then COVID hit. Then we go to the bubble. Um, then last year's a weird year. I get hurt for most of the year. So it was just like, there was just all this stuff. And like my first 20 some games where I got hurt last year, I actually felt really good about my game. And um, I just wasn't producing. No one really was on our team. We just couldn't score. We were, we were still trying to figure ourselves out and figure out, you know, what, what our identity as a team was. And then we found ways to win, but I, I don't think we were quite, Last year, I don't think we were, we were winning, but we weren't, it was like stressful hockey. We, we were like playing very conservative. We weren't making many mistakes, but we weren't generating much either. And for me as an offensive player, that's a tough game for me to play in terms of, you know, I, I, I want to buckle down and be really solid defensively and do all those things, but, and being uh, as good a 200 foot player as I can be for the team. But at the same time, like I felt, you know, a little bit handcuffed and didn't, I felt like I wasn't, you know, I, 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 all I was saying about was getting pucks in, finishing checks, blocking shots and being in the right position. And if I'm thinking that way, there's no way my best is going to come out. So, um, the playoffs was a turning point for me. I kind of just let it all go and said, you know what, I'm just going to let it fly and just, you know, be myself. And, 
um, I think that was a turning point. And then I think a bunch of us had some great conversations with, uh, with Heinze, um, that's fallen over the summer and we really ironed things out to kind of, okay, what do you need? And what, what do, what do we need? And, and we've got a great thing going right now. And I give him a lot of credit in terms of the changes he made. And then I give, you know, my teammates and everyone a lot of credit in, in voicing their opinion and, and, and speaking up for what was best, what we felt would be best for us to help the team win. And, you know, I think we've, we've really come together and, uh, and made it, um, uh, 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 just a great partnership. And I think I, I just give the coaching staff Heinz and, and everybody such credit for, for really hearing us out and, and we'll be willing to, you know, be flexible, be willing to come into the season and say, okay, boys, here you go. Here's, here's, this is what you told us we need, you need, here you go. And we took the ball and ran with it. And now there's that trust that's built up there between, I don't think there was a ton of trust before, whether it was from our side or for his side. And it was never personal. It was just, you know, a business relationship that be, that started in a very tumultuous situation where he comes in mid season, COVID hits bubble, COVID shortened season, the year after all this stuff. So the long answer of it is, you know, this year it's just, it's autopilot for me and a lot of the guys, we, we know it's expected. We go out, we know, we know how much we're going to play. We know who we're playing with. We know what the power play is going to look like. We know all this stuff. So it's just about then your personal performance and, and getting it done. And, feeling comfortable and feeling confident and feeling that belief from your organization has been the biggest difference I think this year for a lot of us. And that's why so many of us are having great years. Man, you said a lot in there that I would like to dig into. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a long answer, but that's I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I not give just, you. it was long, but like really insightful. And I know you said this is a longer discussion, but this is stuff I love talking I, about. You talked about the three to five year cycle. We can talk about that for the next half hour. I want to talk about that until the end of time because I don't know if I've heard it put in those terms. And I just want to make sure I'm understanding if you're talking about a team's three to five year cycle, like Sean and I were just saying, Hey, are the Winnipeg Jets? Are they just done? Like, are we done with them for a while? Or is it the league itself where it's like, Hey, this is a three to five year cycle where the league, the game looks completely different five years later. Well, I think, I think it's a bit of both. Um, Yeah. I think, so when I came into the league and, and a lot of the time it goes by, you can really look at guys production point production and see where the league is at. Um, most of my career guys weren't getting 90 points. Mm-hmm. The first so the game was, I remember, you know, so my first year in the league, uh, Chicago wins the cup. Uh, that was kind of the last year. I'm, I think Henrik Steen won the points that year with like 110. Mm-hmm. Um, the next year, I can't remember who won that year, um, the points, but the next year Boston won and they won with like a bigger, like heavy yeah. team. Um, you know, guys like Lucic were like premier, uh, he was a premier player at the time. Chara, like all these guys, like they were, um, a different team than LA wins and mm-hmm. LA was won every game two one. And mm-hmm. I remember going into play at Staples center and it's like, you wouldn't even touch the puck. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there were a team, Minnesota wild was like a stingy team. The Arizona coyotes were like that. Like there were certain buildings you went into, you wouldn't even touch the puck. It didn't matter how good or good or bad you played. You just wouldn't, you would not touch it. It was nuts. Like I remember playing in Arizona so many times and I saw them on the, uh, I'd see them on the schedule. And I just go, I'm not going to touch the puck tonight. Um, and then, you know, there's air, there's, there's points of, of the, of, you know, where guys are getting like 80 something points and they're leading the league in points or whatever. And the game just is, is it's gone through so many different cycles and, 
it's such a, a fast skilled offensive game now where it's like teams are, are like, you know, turning, like turning a puck over the blue line, no matter who you were at the start of my career was a Cardinal sin. You'd sit on the bench. Like I remember getting benched one time. I tried to chip it in and it was either uh, like twice happened. One time Lidstrom knocked it down and like, I tried to make the right decision, but didn't get it in. You're on the bench, you know, like he was pretty good so, at that, by yeah. the way. Yeah, he was. You're not alone on that one. I don't think he, he did it to many people. And yeah, if you're rope at that point, like maybe you weren't, if you're producing a lot at that point, yeah, maybe you had a little more rope, but now it's like, if you don't, if you don't have the ability to make those plays now, you can't win because if you look at the top teams in the league, all the, all the way they're playing, you need to be able to make plays. Obviously you're going to, you're not toe dragging at the blue line or making, you're not turning pucks over consistently. And, and I think our coach has a great balance of it. He he's led this year, especially where he's letting us make plays and, and do what we need to do. Um, but if it gets to the point where it's like, guys, we're turning it over, they're coming back several, several times. Like we talk about puck decisions all the time. So there's that fine line and the game just changes all the time. And you see different, I mean, look at the evolution of the power play. I mean, my start of my career was all, all overload. You had two D men, you had a guy in the half wall, a guy on the goal line and a guy in front of the net. That's the way it was. You could never run that. Now you would never have any success. Every team's in an umbrella. Um, some teams even will rotate into the spread. You look at how aggressive penalty kills are. Like it's just, it's unbelievable how things change. And if you're not evolving with it, um, you're going to get left behind. So, I mean, you kind of saw it with a team like, like LA, not that they got left behind, but they went from a dominant, dominant team. They won two cups. Um, and then the, the league changed and they had to kind of reroute. Now they've got some of those young, faster guys and they're, they're, they're a playoff team again. So it's all about like adjusting to the different eras you're playing in. And um, I think that was one of the biggest things, you know, that uh, that's changed for, um, for us here in Nashville was this team got by and was elite playing a certain way when the league was a certain way. And then as the league started to change, the, the, the organization, the team had to change. And I think, you know, everyone's here has done a great job with that. And, um, you know, whether it's a coach changing some systems or whether it's like a different approach from up top, whatever, I think, I think it's really, um, you know, important to, to just cause something worked yesterday. doesn't mean it's going to work today. And that's really hard. Like, especially if you're a passionate hockey person and somebody that believes in your, your systems and your message, it's, that's hard to, to kind of, um, you know, really take a look at and, and make that change. And, um, you know, I think the, but the best teams and the best organizations do it. And there's certain teams and organizations that have been great for, you know, 10, 15 years. And they're probably the ones that have, that have adjusted at, they've, they've hit a roadblock, made adjustments and kept going. Maybe like you look at a team like Pittsburgh Penguins, I mean, they, Sid's messed the playoffs one year. I mean, yeah, that's the Crosby effect too. But at the same time, how many different coaches have they had? How many different people have they had come in and out and they just keep going forward? And um, you have Mario at the top, who obviously I think is probably the, uh, such a big part of that. But you have all these, they just keep, they keep, you know, keep being current and they keep making the playoffs. So they're such a great example of that. And, um, you know, obviously I don't know the ins and outs of that and how, and, what's gone in. Cause I don't obviously play for Pittsburgh, but I, I can imagine they've had several conversations as the leagues change and, and, you know, certain guys are coming in, certain guys are coming out, you know, how to keep go, moving forward. So it's really interesting uh, to watch teams go through, through the different, you know, roadblocks and then break through. And it, it makes our game amazing because there's so many smart people in our game and 
people are always, and, and so many great players, there's always something new coming in and the game's always changing. So it's tough to stay the same. I mean, that's one of the fascinating things about you guys over the last couple of years too, is you look at the, at, I mean, there are core elements on that team, on your team, whether it's Roman or whoever else who are holdovers, right? From that run that they had in 20 and 2016 and 2017. But to be able to sort of, you know, you, you guys are in a good spot. You're, you're having, you're, you're having a strong year. You're in that group in, in, in the Western conference where, you know, whatever, we don't, we don't have to write you in pen for the playoffs just yet, but you're there. And they, and you guys have managed to get there without bottoming out over the last couple of years. And I think that's, I think, right. that's, yeah, I think, I, I, think that. I think that's a fascinating kind of thing. Like, especially at, at the start of last year, like whatever you guys, you guys started slow. Fair question was like, is it time to blow stuff up? Should they, should they start moving yeah. guys out? And then the way you guys finished and kind of using the playoffs as an off ramp to what sounded like a pretty good off season for you guys. I mean, it's been really, it's been really fascinating to watch, honestly. Yeah. You know, it's funny is it felt the way people acted and treated us was like, we were a bottom five team in the league, which was kind of funny. And we probably used that a little bit as motivation, but at the same time, I said last year, I remember telling David Poyle and, and, and Heinz in our, uh, exit meeting that the fact that we made the playoffs last year is such a tribute to the character we have in the room. Cause we had like a 2% chance at one mm-hmm. point to make it. And we figured it out and yeah, none of us were, we were all stressed. None of us really necessarily were happy with our games, but we found ways to win. We parked everything at the door personally and said, you know what? I don't care about, and I don't care that I'm, you know, not confident. I don't care that I'm not scoring. I don't care that I'm not producing at the rate I like to be. I, I will just do anything it takes to help this team get in the playoffs and, and, and win. And we had a great series with Carolina, obviously four overtime mm-hmm. games, you know, really could have gone either way. And that's mm-hmm. a premier team in the league right now. So I think, yeah, we use that as a springboard to, okay, we're, we know we have the character. We know the leadership. We know we have the ability, what ability we have to, figure it out any way possible. Now, how can we make it better? How can we make it more fun? How can we do? And everyone was on board with that from coaches to, to, uh, to GM, to organization, to players. I mean, everybody, we figured out a way to enjoy playing the game again and win at the same time. And it didn't have to be stressful. It didn't have to be a grind every single day. And it's made our team better. Cause when you're having fun, you're doing your hockey's hockey's supposed to be fun. doesn't matter what level you're playing at. And, the more you win, the more fun it is, the harder you work, you know, the more you win and, and, and it's just a vicious cycle. So, um, we found a really, a really great balance of that. And I think we have the, we have the group and the character to, um, I, I think know how much fun we can have without taking it for granted and just thinking, Oh, we can just show up and put the gear on. We went, kind of went through a phase like that through February. We, we went through a, a really, uh, we had a really good, uh, January, good December. I mean, we hadn't hit much adversity and our schedule lightened up because of the, the change schedule, the Olymp- the, from the canceled Olympics. And, um, we kind of took our foot off the pedal a little bit. We weren't playing as much. I think we kind of, I think it's human nature. I mean, mentally, maybe you have two or three days in between games, you check out a little bit and then you forget what your identity is. And we played a terrible game in Seattle. They played really well. They beat us and, you know, Heinze gave us a kick in the ass uh, in San Jose before that game and was like, we've gotten away from this, this, and this. And he was hard on us, but it was also very fair. He didn't attack anybody personally. It was just very like, Hey, we got to get our act in gear again. And, 
all of us left the meeting being like, yep, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. And then we go out and have a great game against San Jose and we've won three in a row now. So I give our team a lot of credit that we've just been able to stay like this and it starts the coaches and then it goes down to the, the leaders and then it goes down the rest and, and it keeps trickling downhill the rest of the team. So um, it's been just an awesome vibe this year. It feels like we have something special here, whether, you know, we win this year, or we don't I mean only one team can win the cup, but I know I, I feel really good about the path we're headed on. And I, I think we were all questioning it the last couple of years where we were headed. It just felt like we were lost. And I think right now all of us feel like we have a, a just a very clear uh, perception and, and vision of who we are and our identity. You said you guys got together with John Hines before the season and there were certain things it sounded like as players that this is how we want to play or this is how we prefer things went. Is there, is there some things you can share that just gives us an indication of his flexibility or, or what, what, what the compromise was or what that looked like? Um, yeah, I think there was, it, it came both ways. Like he yeah. needed, mm-hmm. he needed certain things from us as, and it wasn't with their individual meetings. So, but we all knew what was, we all felt, we all knew how we felt as a group. And we kind of, I think we all went in pretty similar opinions and, and he gave us the same message back and what he needed. And it's tough to really break down the specifics. I think it was just like, you know, knowing what to expect each day for me, like just knowing like, like, you know, to be an offensive player, you have to play a certain amount of minutes. You have to play in certain situations. And I said, if you want me to be this guy, I, I need this opportunity. And if you give me this opportunity and I, and I, and I don't, I don't perform, that's on me. I just want that opportunity to say, Hey, I, I, if I fail, it's because of, of, of that. And he, he gave me that opportunity. And then he asked for certain specific things for me in terms of certain things I did on the ice. Just, um, you know, I, I think I got more of a clear vision of what he expected from me. I think you, I think I probably took everything too literally where I felt like I had to finish every check, block every shot, obviously you're going to try and do those things, but you can't like, you can't, you know, be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. I felt like last year I had to be perfect and perfection is demoralizing. Um, that's that old saying. And, you know, you strive for excellence. It builds you up. You strive for perfection. It brings you down. And I think once I realized like, okay, I got a little bit of wiggle room here. And as long as I'm working, doing my best, trying to, trying to do the things that, you know, that is expected of everybody, this other stuff will come. And that's, that, that's been, the, that's been that way for, for all of us. I know all of us were feel like a lot of our key guys, if not all were feeling that way. And, um, there, it was a stressful year last year. And I'm sure, you know, it, it was sometimes in this game, you lose perception of reality as players, as coaches, as organization, whatever. And you're trying to accomplish something so hard that, you know, you lose communication. And that was something that we've had much more of this year too. And it's just been a great, it's just been a great, um, bond as a, coaching staff and as players this year and um you're seeing the result of it on the ice we just know exactly what's expected of us when we don't do it we know we have to fix it and we and the coaches know what we need to be successful and what what helps us so um it's just been really great and i'm I'm just very grateful for that open line of communication that we all have and that's what it takes to win and i think that would have come earlier had it not been for the wonky coaching change mid-season 20 games later COVID, then bubble, then it was just stop, start, stop, start, injury, this, that, other thing. So it, it, it was, you know, finally got some kind of continuity and, and some regularity to the season. So uh, it's been good. 
So were those were those conversations part of exit meetings, or was that stuff you had after the off season with him? Like like where you guys really started to do the work and and, and understand each other better. Um, some guys did it in exit meetings. Mine was at the start of the season. Um, so that I, was after that uh, was after an off season that you yeah, changed yeah, a lot I, of stuff, and and you know after it seems like uh, in, over the summer, right? Like that was a that was yeah, a that, that yeah, was a tweak I for think, you. You know what? Um, I think. I think there just need to be some distance. And I think, I think we generally felt good about how the team performed down the stretch and our result in the playoffs, even though we lost, it was like, Hey, we're heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But then there, there was just a bit still off. And we knew at that point it was, it was our next step. And I think everybody, like, I mean, I give Heinz a ton of credit. The first thing he did when he saw me, when I was back in town, he came right up to me and said, Hey, let's get together. And I knew we had to talk at some point and go through because other guys had already had those meetings or had uh, in the in the spring or were had had them already. And we sat down and ever since then, it's been like, okay, we're on the same page. And it's not that we were like, you know, it's so funny. Like you hear this stuff like, oh, the guys aren't on the same page, coach, player on the same. It's not, it's not, doesn't go like that. We, we all want the same thing and we're all trying to go for the same same goal. We all want the best for each other. Heinz, he's an awesome guy. And he's, I've thought that of him, even when I maybe was confused of what he wanted for me or was, you know, kind of like, geez, you know, what do I got to do here? Like I've, I've always thought that he's a outstanding professional. He's a great coach. His X's and O's are, and his clarity and his teaching are, are outstanding. His work ethic. I can't say enough good things to be honest about him. And, um, and I thought a lot of those things, even when we weren't maybe on the quite on the same page. So I knew that there was, I knew we could figure it out. And I think he felt, I hope he felt the same with me. And um, we've had nothing but great conversations and he's taken so much great time with me. Even, even at the start of the year, when things were going well, he sat me, he'd show me a video and be like, Hey, this is, this stuff right here is, is awesome. I just wanted to share this with you. And I'm a person who likes that type of feedback and whether it's good or bad, I want to, I'm always looking to be better and, find ways that can help my game. And so just to hear those words was meant a lot to me. And it, it, uh, it just, it, it helped my game keep going forward because I knew I was on the right track and it was like, okay, these are the things that I'm doing well and I got to keep doing these things along with the offense. So um, that open line of communication this year has just been amazing. And I think we've all really benefited from it and um, top to bottom, doesn't matter who it's been. And I know we're up against it here, but I did want to ask you, like we're getting into that point of the season trade deadline and you more than anybody maybe in the league can understand what somebody's going through. Um, and, and maybe even a teammate right now, right? Like there's, there's still some uncertainty with, with this team. What, uh, what is it like right now for a player kind of in the crosshairs where you're going into every town and that's all anyone wants to talk about and your name is at the top of a trade board or whatever like what is that like in reality um it's only as stressful as you make it on yourself i think mm-hmm. if you make it simple in terms of i got a game today i'm going to play my best i don't know what the future holds i don't know where i'm going to be but this is what i need to be we need to do for um my teammates for um myself uh for the team i'm currently playing for like doesn't matter what situation you're in if you're if you're like i've been in the situation where I, I i wanted a fresh start and but it didn't matter i came to the rink every day and and worked hard and tried to be the best player i could be and and i owed that to my teammates i owed that i owed that to myself um i've been in a situation where 
you know, I was not resigning. I was on my way somewhere else. I didn't know where, but it didn't matter. I was expected. I was well, on a young team. I was expected to be a leader. I was expected to show up every night. And that's, that, that's the only way you can go about it because, um, this is a business and it, it sucks sometimes, um, but how much of a kind of piece of meat asset you are, yeah, yeah. um, you know, you always hear that, but it's the reality of it. We're paid very well to do that. We get to live our dream of playing hockey for a living because of that. So the best thing to do, I think is just keep it in perspective as best you can and just try and go and play the game you love and try and do it the best of your ability. It, it's, it gets complicated and it gets tough when families come into it, right. wives, girlfriends, whatever. That's when it gets really tough. But at the end of the day, the only way you can go about it is try and be the best for your teammates, for your current team, for yourself. And, you know, cause you never know where you're going to end up. You might not get traded. You might get traded. You might resign. You might not resign. Who knows? So, yeah. um, it's, you got to keep it simple. You can't let all the, you can't read your own press. Uh, you can't be on Twitter. You can't be watching this side of the other thing. It, it's just a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of effort. You just got to worry about playing the game just like you would at the start of a brand new contract. Even like, even if you're ignoring everything, I, f- I find uncertainty really hard to operate under. That's all. You know what I mean? Even sure. if you're not, even if you throw your phone in the lake or whatever, um, not well, it's knowing. Like it's a, it's know. a daily thing too, right? Like that's part of the struggle is like one, w- one day you might be on board with it and you're, and you're in the right headspace, but you know, you don't, you don't, yeah, you don't, think, you don't stay there. <laughs> like, like people, I don't know. It'd be hard. I would react. Yeah. For me, the hardest times are when I'm not playing hockey. So, mm-hmm. right. um, the hardest times where were the summer before, like when I was getting drafted, I was just like, I remember being like, there was days I was so unmotivated in the gym because I was just like, I don't know what I'm working out for yet. You know, like, right, I don't know right. who I'm working out for. I don't know. I remember saying to my trainer one day, I just want to know, you know, and obviously at 18 years old, you're way more impatient than you are uh, when you're in your late twenties or whatever. But even then, like I remember uh, going to free agency, I remember getting home. We finished that year. Uh, we, we lost in the second round when I was in Columbus, we lost to, to Boston May 10th. We were done. And I had basically till July one. So you have almost two, two full months. And I remember, and nothing crosses your mind. Other than that, every single day, where am I going to be? Where am I going to be? Where am I going to be? What's what's going to happen? And that's when it gets hard. When you got a game to prepare for, it's easy because you just you just worry about playing the game. You're in your normal schedule. Um, you get to do what you love. So that certainty gets really hard when um, that certainty gets really hard when you're you're not able to control and do what you love doing. I guess I guess is what I would say. I just thought that Nashville deal was done really early. Wasn't that a speculation on the, at the time? Oh yeah, it was, but it, it, was, it wasn't, uh, it, it was, uh, it was tough. It was, it was, uh, there was some weird cap stuff that went on that year. And, that. Um, yeah, it wasn't quite as bad as I, I felt very grateful that I was a free agent that year, not the following year when COVID had hit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the cap I think was supposed to go up a few million more than it did. And it threw some wrenches into guys who, cause there was a bunch of guys that signed before the cap went up. And it set a certain market and then the cap didn't go up and the market changed. And it was, it was like for, you know, you had to kind of reevaluate and, you know, our, our self, your self worth as a player is so involved and it doesn't matter how much money you're making. You could be giving me, I always say, if, if I earned, if you were paying me in, in like rocks, like how many rocks am I going to get? You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I think I'm worth this. That, that's just how you think. It doesn't, it's not really the dollars and cents. And, and once you kind of get over that, 
you realize like, okay, you know, where do I want to be? You, you come, becomes, right. you get, you put, set your ego aside, you set your pride aside. That's a really hard thing to do sometimes, especially when, um, you work as hard as you do to earn something and whether it's money or something else, you feel like you should be getting, you know, a certain amount of whatever for what you've done. And, and it can, that's when it can get really complicated. And that's where you have to simplify it and say, okay, where do I want to be? Who do I want to play with? What city do I want to live in or whatever as a free agent in that sense? So obviously trade, trade is different because you can't control it, but um, yeah, it, it, it can be very complicated. And um, yeah, mine was no different for sure. There's, you're, you're definitely evaluating every, small detail even when it's like it was a simple decision for me to come to nashville but at the time it wasn't because i had to i had to flip over every rock and look in every nook and cranny to make sure i was making the right, right. decision and i wasn't i wasn't just clouded by something that i'd wanted for a long time so um fortunately it's been a great decision and my family and i've never been happier and it's it's even you know it's so great how great hockey's gone this year it's just been the you know the final piece of the puzzle that i've been missing so um yeah, things are good right now, and we want to just keep going forward and hopefully have a long playoff run here. Let's keep awesome, it going. Man. Let, let, yeah. Let's get like a couple more Instagram videos of James. Let's hear some of our goals. Let's go. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great. Well, thanks for doing this. I know you probably got kids heading down the stairs or whatever as we speak with nap time wrapping up, so we'll let you get, get at it. But thanks, thanks for doing this, Matt. Good seeing you. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Well, that was one of the easier interviews we've ever done. <laughs> just let <laughs> him go. Goodness. How many, just, times do, how many times during that were we just looking at each other like, oh, okay, we're set. Thanks, Matt. So good. You know what I was actually thinking? This is how stupid I am. I'm like, because a lot of times you'll transcribe these and turn them into a Q&A and that's like we're double dipping and we get, uh-huh. you, you know, you get some extra work out of it and some 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 page views. Uh, I'm like, oh, poor, what, what is Sean going to do with this? Because you can't do a Q&A. Like, that's where my mind goes. I'm like, how do we convert this into some sort of digital text because uh, it was so good and insightful, but I'm like, what is Sean going to do here? It's such a stupid reaction to have because, like, <laughs> it's not like it's not like because I, I felt the same thing. It's not like anxiety necessarily, but like my mind was there throughout at different points. That I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. What are you going to do with this interview? Because it's, it's great for audio. And it's Tuesday. And it's Tuesday morning. And I haven't done anything in the way of a transcript yet. And spoiler, I'm probably not gonna because it's like just something You're that. Not- you're just going to let this die in the vine? I don't know. I mean, it's something like there's certain things that play better on audio. And I think mm. that was, I think that was one of them. Like I could have written an as told to column by Matt, by Matt Duchesne based on, based on stuff there. Yeah. But and, those, you can't do that after the fact. You can't be like, here's exactly. Matt Duchesne. Oh yeah. By yeah. the way, like buy Matt Duchesne for the athletic. Yeah, all of a sudden he's like, got like, a the athletic. He's like, what? I didn't say Have you... Okay, so I had never known Matt Duchesne to be that that good of a talker, oh, and, I, yeah, and that's Matt's based. Great. And I know you're you're clo- you've you have a relationship with him, but like I'm, that's based on scrums mainly. And he was fine. He was always fine. I was not anticipating nine minutes of uninterrupted, you know, thoughtful soapboxing from him. That's not that's 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 not what I was ready for. Um. Well, we're all the beneficiaries of it. I know. And um, so you're saying you're saying he, you weren't you're saying you weren't surprised. You knew that he was going to come in and do that. No, no, no. I knew Matt would be good. I mean, it's like who knows? You never know if someone wakes up and they. I think it helped that he had two goals and an assist or whatever the night before. Mm-hmm. And but you know, Matt Duchesne is a very thoughtful. Um, here, not to extend our little outro here any anymore, but he, like let me give you an insight into Matt Duchesne. So when he was on the Ottawa Senators and 
he was in the trade spotlight for a long period of time. And as a player, that's a miserable place mm-hmm. to be. Like, this goes back to Colorado. Like, he had been in the trade spotlight then. And I remember him coming through town. And everybody, like, that's all he's being asked. It's all anyone. And so, we're, we're just chatting before we pull out the pull out the recorders and the cameras flip on. And he's, yeah, I think, I think he just had his baby, like, talking about his family. And it was almost like apologetic. It was like, you know what, Matt? All right, you know where we got to go with this. He's like, hey, guys, you got to do your jobs. Let's, hey, let's dive into this. Don't worry about it. Let's do this. And then we flipped the cameras on. And it, you know what I mean? And he went into like, gave good answers. It was never like rolling of the eyes and here I go again. I just did this in Toronto. Now I got to do that. Like, it was like, he was pro, just like, hey, pro I want to like, it was just pro stuff. And, and, and then we shut the cameras off and then whatever. And it was like, then you just chat again. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I got, it was just good. Like, he was like, you have a job to do. I have a job. I'm, you know, the fans want to know this stuff. We're going to just do this and be pros about it. And I don't know. I always it's appreciate always good it. Not, it's always good to get guys who get it, you know. We're taking a we're taking a break from the only good segment on the show this week because. Are we know. really? We're not even going to. Whatever. The comments weren't very good. You guys got to, you guys got to step up your game. I, I think, I think the uh, fatigue of the process is starting to it's starting to get to people we will say nick d yeah talking about our our, Tol- our eric tolsky our, our chat with him last week eric tolsky mentioned he stayed with his folks during the gm interview in chicago does this mean the blackhawks literally interviewed a blogger living in his parents basement for gm oh my gosh kind of you didn't want to save that for the last final segment we could i would have talked about that for 20 minutes That's not true i mean we got to throw the break still here do we have the third of- oh god we do I mean, this is this is the Matt Duchesne outro, Sean. Okay, well, whatever. We'll be right back. We have a. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on Directv with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on Directv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Directv has the most MLB games. Visit Directv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions. Supply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broom 
Gate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broom Gate. Lane change. We are going to do the comment review. This is the only good segment on the show. What happened during the break? You had a. You had a. <laughs> it's almost like you got yelled at by me and said, "How dare you?" A, Which never happened. A change of a change of heart. Please get back in the comment section on the athletic audio section and ask us questions and whatever. You guys let us down this week. My feelings are hurt. Yeah, what's wrong, everybody? Everything okay out there? You just not feeling provide it? Us, prov- <laughs> provide us content. Do our work for us. Or else That's then we got to go on Twitter and say, hey, we're, do- Ugh, we're taking yuck. questions. Like a bunch of losers. Imag- imagine doing that, asking for, asking for questions on Twitter. Couldn't be me. Embarrassing. Nick D says, Eric Tulski mentioned he stayed with his folks during the GM interview in Chicago. Does this mean the Blackhawks literally interviewed a blogger living in his parents' basement for GM? I think it was a reversion to, well, first off, <laughs> Eric was never living in his parents' basement. He was a, he was a PhD who was working for a very serious company. Yes. He but, wasn't. But he did blog, right? Like he did, he had an analytics. Spiritually. He had, like literally, literally he may not have been a blogger living in his parents' basement. But he was a blogger previously and in this moment in time was living in his parents, staying in his parents' basement. Staying if you in tie parents, it all together. It may have been a guest room. We don't know that. Oh, yeah. We, we don't know. If, if we're trying to be very literal, we don't know if it was his parents. We'll, we'll, we'll do a follow-up. Caleb at 11.07 on his timestamps. To me, it looks like the three most top-heavy in the league would be the Stars, the Rangers, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. What do you think? Um... I agree with two of those. I think the stars are top heavy. We saw Joe Pavelski resign with them. I think since we since we last spoke. Yep, we like that deal, right? I love it. Yeah, why not? I like we love it for everybody. I did. It, it's it's better for the stars than I thought it was going to be. Shorter and cheaper. Go for it, Dallas. The Rangers. I said this yesterday, but the Hart Trophy should be split evenly between Igor Sturkin and the Rangers' power play. It's not a good five on five team. In the Toronto Maple Leafs. That is the question to me. I, on a good day, the Maple Leafs are not remotely top-heavy, but I think a problem that we've seen from them, and we're not going to talk about this all that much because they play in Canada. Yeah. The issue with them, aside from atrocious goaltending, which we can just leave you know, leave in another bucket, what makes me nervous about them is since January 1st, Matthews and Marner have been in God mode, and a huge percentage of their offensive Output has come from that line with Matthews and with Matthews and, and Marner and in Bunting. Um, so they should be nervous. That, but that being said, I think on, on a good day, that's they're playing top heavy hockey right now. I don't think it's a top heavy. I don't think it's a top top heavy team. Okay. Um, Nicholas K says he'd just like to take a moment to welcome you back and offer you a new regional media award for East Lansing. Oh, okay. What's that? Uh, based on Big Ten football, he's going to be the only Sparty to see Indianapolis for a long time. Hell of an accomplishment. Oh. Well. Nicholas, w, come on. Adam W. Yeah, I, wanna, this I just is what, saw this one. Can, this can is we what, dissect this? Yeah, sure. Adam W., not going to lie, kind of a disappointing episode. Mm. Interviewing was great. The comment section, okay. including the tweet March Madness, went a little long, which is okay. reasonable. Well, <laughs> hope I'm, you're ready I'm, for this. Just, we're, I'm we're, taking this. We're going to extend I'm this one to 45 minutes. Yeah. Adam W. Let's, Adam, we're going to talk about 
Let's go back to tweet March, March Madness. No, uh, maybe that was a little bit self-indulgent. Was it self-indulgent to talk about your tweet in in your place? You know, I really try for, not for to do minutes? that. I think I think it's one of those things where media people care about Twitter a hundred times more than the average person does, and I think yeah. it affects the the discussions. And I think it's a net negative on the earth. Maybe mm. I thought that whole situation was a little bit more funny than it actually was. I don't know. We could. You f- I'll have to go back and listen. I enjoyed. So do I. <laughs> if you want to hear us allude to, if you want to allude us to hear, hear us allude to terrible tweets from Damian Cox and whoever else was in that, was in that, was in that, was in that discussion. If you don't want to, sorry. Yeah. I, my, the best part, which, which you all didn't get to experience was Sean then explaining the tweets to me after the fact and like company slacks and saying, Hey, this is, this is what I was referencing. By the way, like, this is, oh, oh, thank uh-huh. you that I didn't have to discuss any of this publicly. Whatever. So, so that was way more fun. You know what? So Adam W, you know, we'll be better. What are you going to we'll do? We'll be better, we'll be, but yeah, you guys, we'll you guys got to be better too. I will say this, Adam, you, I will take constructive criticism and I like to learn from that and I will in this case, but you also didn't ask a question That is as a commenter. That is the big time variable, baby. So, if you like, I will take the, con- I hear that construct- constructive criticism, but I also would like to offer my own. If you're going to do that, please ask us a question. Yeah. So, then we can gladly, we'll gladly and, answer it. Interact. Gladly. Let's go through the, let's go through the trade board real quick, right? All right. Do we, we want to get to the trade board. Do we want to do that? Okay, so we have briefly. I'm, now I'm like I'm self conscious that our third segment goes this too is long. What people want to hear? They don't want to hear us talk about. See, I, Adam, this is fair. They don't want to hear us talk about tweets. Like it's trade deadline time. We can we can spin through this. All right, all right. Mark Giordano is at the top of this now. Mm-hmm. That situation fascinates me, and it has always fascinated me because Ron Francis wanted a first and a third to not take him from the from the Calgary Flames. Obviously, didn't get that. Um. We saw Colorado trade for Josh Manson yesterday, and they and they gave up a trade you loved. I I I, I for Josh Manson for two and a half million for two million dollars since they were since uh, since Anaheim retained half for what that team needs right yeah. now. Given that you know Bowen Byram and Sam Gerrard are both are, are both out, like I'll 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 take it. I, I liked it more than I thought, but because of the salary retention. That is also a decent price to pay for Josh Manson, who's who's UFA after this season. They gave up Drew Hellison, who's a good prospect. Pronman had him as a as you know, whatever kind of a borderline second, third pair guy moving forward. He's on the Olympic team. He's a really good college player, and they got a second round pick in addition to that. So at this point in their careers, and I know Josh Manson is a different player, and I know he's a right shot. If Josh Manson costs two assets like that. Don't you just you? I would rather I would rather I would rather have Mark Giordano for a second round pick and a in a prospect, right? Giordano's still good. What if it ends up being Giordano for a first and a third? It'd be fun. Can you imagine that? The Ronnie, the Ronnie, <laughs> the Ronnie franchise revenge tour. Where he was like, "Guess what, <laughs> dummies, for making right. fun of me for not for for not taking two dollars <laughs> on the dollar for for Mark Giordano at the at the, at the start of." At the start of the season, jokes on you, Claude Giroux, still number two. Colorado, right? It's got to be Colorado. Let's just do this. Let. I was talking to Peter Bott. We just were chatting, and we were just talking about what the lines would be, and maybe even put Claude Giroux on like your third it. line and your top power play unit. And how awesome would that? And he gives like he go. They go in the playoffs, and now they got a little edge to them, and 
and everyone's like rooting for Claude Giroux. I love that. Like, I know it's what everyone's saying, but sometimes it makes sense. When did you talk to Peter about that? When did I talk to Peter? I would say... Uh, oh, I In the last 24 hours? Up. Yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, we just were was catching it up. Post, was it post-Manson? Oh, it was it was pre-Manson. I think what it remains to be seen, what kind of what kind of effect that has on it because they're because they're capped out and even with 50% retained Drew is still going to be over four. So maybe they have to get another team to take on the additional 25% of it to facilitate, make them fix fit. And then right. the, the asset cost goes, go. I want it to happen. I, I want Claude Drew to be on the abs. I think that would be great, but it's it, as of yesterday, it's a little bit tougher for, for me to see. What about this? Didn't uh, Gabe Landeskog have elective surgery that's going to put him out a reasonable amount of time? <laughs> oh, maybe, about, six, about six weeks? Six weeks maybe or so? Maybe recovery goes... <laughs> it's not going I as well it, as they might have thought. And do I don't know. I it's going to stretch I, into the playoffs. I want to see... should be ready for game one. I want to see every team pull the LTIR. Yes. Like, at this point, why not? Like, see how far you can go with it. I wonder how many teams are in on Cali Yarncroc. He seems like a player that, like, every single half-decent team is like, wow, yeah, he can play center, he can play wing, scores 15 goals a season, he's cheap. He's going to end up, he's going to end up going for, people are going to be surprised by how much, by how much they, they end up getting for him. I think he's, I think he's a hot commodity, partially because of that price tag. Um... A name that's not on here, and this is something Elliot Friedman brought up a couple of days ago, John Marino, mm. in conjunction with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I think something is going on between the Canucks and, and the Penguins. Like there's been there's been too much too much discussion. The relationship between Rutherford and that organization yeah. is still too strong. That roster is a bunch of players who he loves and had signed to long-term deals, whether you're talking about <laughs> he does. whether you're talking about John Marino or Marcus Pedersen. Pedersen, by the way, randomly scratched a couple of days ago for the first time in his a healthy scratch for the first time in his career. That's that that was bizarre to see. Rutherford mm. loves Marino. He loves Pedersen. Mm -hmm. That team has nine defensemen of, you know, <laughs> and one of them, one of them is is someone you want around for for the long term. Let's say, I that just feel that feels like a that feels like a fit. If Pittsburgh wants to get crazy, and if Ron Hexall wants to get crazy, and there's no reason to think that he does because he never has yeah, in his right. life. No, but he's been criticized for that. Maybe he's like, this is a different situation here. I've got a generational player. I said player it. Who, I said it on Monday. Like I hope I, everybody should hope everybody with any kind of skin in the game should hope that he. Get that he gets it on that level, and, and that that's sort of the mindset that he has because they are not going to get too many more chances at this with Crosby and Malkin and Crystal Tang. So, if you can move one of those guys out and they make like four million dollars, mm -hmm. what's coming the other way, Sean? I don't. I mean, Brock Besser would be interesting. That'd be a major. It'd be a major <laughs> commitment. Qual qualifying offer is going to be big, but it gets a lot easier if you move out a four million dollar defenseman. From a group, by the way, that's like a little bit deeper than people realize. Mark Friedman seems like he's something. He could step in and maybe play on, on, on the right side if you maybe move out John Marino. And then, I don't know, Kasperi Kapanen for a pick. Then all of a sudden, you got like you got like $7 million in cap space. It's a lot easier to fit Brock Besser mm. if, it, if you make those two moves in concert. 
And this is this is full on speculation by me. I'm just saying. Makes a lot of sense. It makes sense. If they want to do something that's big, if they want to go get the winger for Malkin that they've lacked, that Kapanen is not, that Jason Zucker, nice of a player as he is, you know, just probably you'd rather have someone else there. Besser makes a ton of sense for a ton of reasons. Or you just bring back JT Miller. Pittsburgh boy. <laughs> Make Rutherford the crazy godfather offer and go get Miller, who they should not trade, by the way. Who went to so. trade? You mind? Yeah. Um, I thought, so we don't have to go through the whole list. I, do th- I thought it was interesting Tyler Bertuzzi is still on this list as an we still have the uh, vaccination rules, right? Like he's, you know, nothing is. Are we? I guess you have to project forward. Maybe I mean we're talking about in like, baseball right now. Aaron Boone, Yankees yeah, manager, yeah, a couple yeah. days ago was like, "Well, playing Toronto is going to be tough because we have a bunch of guys in the roster that aren't vaccinated yet." So yeah. that, I mean, whatever. If 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 you're a team that plays in Canada out entirely, and if you're a team that potentially is playing a lot of games in Canada. Like what? How? Uh, what? If you're if you're a team that wants to trade for Tyler Bertuzzi, and you're just like looking at the probability boards on who you face, <laughs> on who you face in the playoffs. I mean, like, what if? What, it's what crazy. If you're if you're a team, <laughs> if you're a team that's likely to face the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first two or three rounds of the playoffs, right? Thank. I mean, thank mm-hmm. thankfully for for everybody. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of good. I mean, other than the Leafs and the Flames, like who's really who's really a consideration there? But like, what do you what do you do? Can you can you trade for him? No, no. I wonder if Steve Eisman, who who you know we all know is very secretive, isn't going to give you anything. Do you think he's annoyed that Bertuzzi? Do you like, think he's made, annoyed? Like, yeah. He's, like, how angry is annoyed. Steve Eisman I, I about think, the fact that Bertuzzi is doing? This? I don't know if annoyed's the right like, word. Like on a on a scale of one but, to ten, how goodness. pissed off is Steve Eisman over this? Is the better question. And does he say? Does that does that impact how he evaluates? Like, is he like, no, oh, I don't want this. Isn't a guy I want to keep. That's a term. that's a big one because because. I can I, the flip side. I can imagine Eisenman not really caring and just being like, "This guy's value is what it is." Next year, this isn't going to be an issue. Like we can't, yeah. we, we can't let it's this, we can't issue. let let this affect the decisions we make. You know, in March, based on something that's not going to be a consideration in October. Here's the thing: um, when I did the, so when I was doing the trade board last year, I remember calling people about Mantha mm-hmm. and Bertuzzi around the league. This is pre-Mantha trade. So, we, we know Steve has this in him, right? Going, like, not afraid to trade right. a young piece. That nobody was expecting, by the way. Like, um, that nobody, because if it's like, hey, this is the time to do it. You want to offer, like, they got a great mm-hmm. return for Anthony Mantha. Um, but when I would talk to other teams, like executives and other teams that play in the playoff hunt, they all, almost to a person, liked Bertuzzi better. Than Mantha, like, They were like, for in sure. a playoff series, I'd rather have, than, I'd rather have Tyler Bertuzzi. I mean, um, I know Manta. I know Manta's been hurt, but that's been borne out this season, right? Where yeah. like that 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 line, the line with Larkin and Larkin and Raymond's been been really good, and blah blah blah. I'll take I'll take Tyler Bertuzzi over, yeah, <laughs> over Anthony Manta. But like the Tyler, only thing was durability. People were like, "Wow, well, is he going to be hurt?" And it's like if if he's healthy, and this is obviously before vaccine, whatever. But it, yeah. you know, like people love him. People are like that's the guy you win in the playoffs with. Like that's the 100%. guy you plug in, and unless he's and, unless he's unless he is legally unless, unless he's legally barred from playing in four out of the seven games in a series. 
So that's that he's the <laughs> which is a factor. It's, it's gonna hurt the uh, potential return. It is a problem. Um It's a fight. I yeah. feel like I feel like this is the week where or today today and yesterday have been the have been the days where I'm like, all right, it's it's deadline time. I've convinced myself that, you know, this is gonna be the year where there's actual stuff that happens after kind of nothing of over over the last over the last couple. I'm excited about it. It would be fun if stuff, something, something will happen. Everyone's like, oh, it's going to be a dud or whatever. I feel like there will be something interesting that happens. Nobody, you know, there's always the trade that comes out of left field or whatever. You just need the markets um, to get set. And I think that's, I think that is kind of what we saw yesterday with the Colorado trade. Like we kind of know. I like that you just, in your, in your write up, you're like, we're going to ignore the Toffoli deal and act like that. Is it's it's cause it, it's, it was, that's a million years ago at this point that happened during the Olympics. Like that, that, that might as well, that might as well happen. Uh, so much has changed at, the, at that point, by, by that point, since that point. <laughs> um, all right. Do you have any other thoughts on the, I, I got one last thing I want to do before we wrap up, but I will do, I will, any other like standouts in the trade board? Cause this will be the last time we can talk about it before the deadline. Um, not really. I'm just continually fascinated by what happens with PK Subban, honestly. Yeah. Nine million dollars. Yeah. He's he's obviously he's obviously gonna be if he moves, it's gonna be because Jersey picks up half it. You know, there was talk about whatever, buying him out there. I, I don't he might be past it. I don't even care. But part of me wants to see what like a rejuvenated PK Subban does on an actually on an actually good team. And maybe maybe it's maybe it's nothing, right? Like maybe this is just this is just who he is, but I'd love to see him try to try to ratchet it up a little bit. And he's a 32 on the big board, directly ahead of Tyler. Bertuzzi. Did you cover that Boston um, Montreal series where, like, was it Marshawn sprayed him with water? Like, like oh, I, every I remember like, that was, very well. It was so much fun going into the room because PK would just it was the entertainment value was just off the charts. He was great and engaging and fun, and it was like this. It was like peak PK. It was so much fun to have him in the middle of it. I. I'm on I board want to with find out if he's capable of some of some higher level of engagement and some some higher level of performance yeah. than we've seen from him over the, over the last over the last couple of years. And he might not have it, but I want I want to yeah. be able to figure it That's out. That's a fun one. Uh, so we do we do want to highlight American Craig Anderson. Hell yes, and, and just stick tap there because uh, career win number three hundred for a guy that really had to earn every single one of those mm-hmm. wins, like just. Always, I felt like he always was like fighting for a starting job and there was always a replacement on the way or, you know what I mean? Like Craig Absolutely. Anderson, those 300 wins um, did not come easily and on some really bad teams. <laughs> one of the great, one of the great outdoor game perform, perform, performers of our time too. Another one. You remember, that, you remember the game that he played in with the centers when it was like minus 50 or or, or whatever it was? I know, I know. Like I see that he's got three outdoor wins, and I don't remember any of them. the The Ottawa one was memorable. The one in Ottawa was memorable because, like I said, it was like it was like playing on on the on the North Pole. Yeah, the dude's yeah. that dude's the greatest. And like whatever. So I just I'd love to see like that's just perseverance. That's awesome. Congratulations to Craig. Um, do you want to point out we mentioned Bruce Boudreau? Oh no, we didn't. We don't think we did that in the air. <laughs> we were talking Bruce Boudreau um, off the air. And conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. He joins uh, Drancer on the Vancast. Always a good listen when Bruce is talking. Always about anything. Um, about anything, really. Uh, we also big news. Sean and I are doing the 
Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Athletic Audio Plus bonus episode this week. And wait till you so, guys see what we have planned for you. It's big. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good one. You can start a 30-day free trial to listen and just 99 cents after that to listen to all the bonus episodes across our network. Only available however they're available. And special uh, deal right now for a subscription to The Athletic. It's a really good deal right now. A dollar for six months. Like this is this is the good one. Go to theathletic.com slash hockey show and you too can leave comments on our app if you subscribe. Go do that. Ask better questions than the people did this week. Bring bring some and, positivity uh, to go with your negativity. Some positivity. Yeah. Like if you're gonna be good <laughs> criticize us, which is compliment fair, sandwich. Haven't you guys ever learned anything yes. with, with, that, with that stuff? Let's go. And we already have next week's show lined up. It's going to be the day after the deadline. Good friend Pierre Lebrun joins. We're going to break down all of wow, the Wow, that's a big get. I didn't even know. Pierre. Yeah? He's probably carved yeah. out some time for us. A lot of people say we sound exactly the same. A lot of people <laughs> just, saying that. Just one. <laughs> <laughs> have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you, Sean. Bye. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.